The best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others, Gandhi. I was lucky enough to visit Cuba six months after my first visit. I set out to Havana with one goal in mind, and it was to take as much clothing as I could and give it to the locals in Cuba. This time around, I packed an extra large vacuum sealed bag full of clothes, and I told myself I would only come back with the clothes that I was wearing. At first, it felt awkward to set out into town with a full bag of clothes and give it to people. But once I started to give it away, I realized it wasn't awkward at all. I gave clothes to the ladies selling mangoes, the waitress at our local restaurant, and my Airbnb host, Maritza. There was one particular instance that truly brought me happiness. This little girl, she was about 11 years old. She had the tightest curls and prettiest smile. She asked me where I was from and how old I was and if she could see my camera. We started chatting for a bit and I gave her two tank tops from my bag. She smiled big, thanked me, and then ran to her mom. Later that day, I saw her in the main square with her friends. As we walked past each other, I noticed she had on one of the tank tops I had given her. She recognized me, pointed at the shirt that she was wearing, gave me a big smile and waved by. I smiled and waved back, and in that moment, my heart melted. It's the little things like this that made me fall in love with traveling. Being able to connect with complete strangers and give a little bit of happiness is truly one of the most gratifying feelings there is. Welcome to the Roaming the Earth podcast. Please excuse the recording today, guys, because there are some clicks and ticks. We recorded this on Zoom. This is Drea Castro, your host, and I'm so glad that you're joining us today because we are here with flight attendant and pilot, Soila Flor. Thank you so much for being here, Soila. Soila was born in San Diego, California, and raised in Los Angeles. She's traveled to 51 countries, lived in Paris, France to study art history, and in Rishikesh, India, to study Hatha Yoga. After working in the fashion industry and marketing as an entrepreneur, she made a really big career change. <laughs> in 2015, Soila was hired as a flight attendant for Delta Airlines, where she discovered aviation. Since then, her love for travel and adventure has married perfectly with aviation. She took her first Discovery flight in November of 2018, and in February 2020, she became a private pilot. She's currently working on her instrument rating and commercial pilot license, and her goal is to become a certified flight instructor and eventually an airplane pilot. So Soila is a flight attendant and is now training to be a pilot. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Tell me about why you're passionate about travel and what travel means to you. Travel was something that I grew up doing um, when I was younger. I would always uh, travel with my mother to Mexico and visit family, relatives. As I got older, I just, I learned so much about my own culture that I wanted to learn about other cultures. So in college, I decided to uh, do a study abroad program in France. And I was there for three months doing art history. And it was really fulfilling. I got to travel around and I realized, you know, sometimes you get caught up in a big city like Los Angeles and you think it's all you need to know. But uh, once you kind of get out of that bubble, you realize there's so much more culture and so much uh, more life out there. That's what drew me to traveling is the idea of being able to just connect with 
different cultures and lifestyles and just people. You know, I love to travel leisurely. I love to go to different places in the world and hike and do all that stuff. But you do it as a job. So how did you go from I'm leisurely going to travel, I want to do, you know, some exploration in different countries to doing it as a job and deciding that that you're going to dedicate your life to it as uh, a flight attendant and now a pilot? It's definitely a different lifestyle. You know, when you when you're traveling, you know, you're going to come back home and you're going to have a home base. You know, some people stay home up to six months. They travel twice a year. So every six months they're able to leave, but they have like a standard routine for those six months. When you're working and traveling, it becomes a different lifestyle. It becomes very uh, difficult to maintain a typical like time zone, when to go to sleep, when to wake up, when you're going to eat, when you're going to work out. It's always just changing, fluctuating. So that becomes really tough. But if someone was looking to, you know, transition from just traveling leisurely to do it for work, um, yeah, flight attendant would be a great thing, becoming a pilot. It is a difference in lifestyle, but you get used to it. Like anything, I think, else that, you know, you'll get into. I was working for a um, startup company. It was an SEO company, and I would save up my money um, and you know, travel for a month or two weeks. And uh, one day I was just sitting and I was like, you know, I've been saving up my money for so long. Why don't I just work for a company that will pay me to travel? And that is when I decided to put in applications for, you know, United, American and Delta. And thankfully I got hired for with Delta as a flight attendant. And that's what kind of it took off from there. It exposed me to aviation. And that is how I started my pilot journey. Your pilot journey. How, <laughs> tell me about that. What made you go? Because, okay, uh, I, you know, I was reading up on aviation and women in aviation. There are only, I think, 7.9% of women who are pilots and only 7% are female commercial pilots. Like, is that the route you want to go? Do you want to be a commercial pilot? I was a flight attendant for four years and, you know, as many people know when you're a flight attendant, you get these really good flight benefits where you can fly anywhere and it's for free. So I took full advantage. I, you know, would fly to Africa and Asia, the Philippines. I did, you know, Tokyo, tons of fun adventures. And I kind of felt it was too easy after a while. I felt like I wasn't being challenged. You know, it was a challenge in the beginning to choose a place and figure out, you know, how was I going to get there? Where was I going to stay? You know, and I like to, you know, travel the way locals travel. So, you know, using the trains and the buses and, um, but then I kind of felt like, okay, I've done this, you know, in different countries, I want something else. And so, you know, one day I was talking to a few flight attendants and one of them was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm right now studying to, you know, become a private pilot. And I was like, a private pilot, what is, what is that? Is that, you know, like a big airline pilot? They're like, no, it's not an airline pilot. It, you can fly a general aviation aircraft, which is a small aircraft, either a two or a four seater. And I was like, okay, interesting. And they're like, yeah, if you're interested, you know, take a discovery flight. So I said, okay, you know, I'll go out and uh, take a discovery flight. It's set up with a friend from high school that um, I knew was flying and I reached out to him and, and he just um, took me up for an hour and I was like, man, this is, this is really cool. 
And he was like, yeah, you know, start to read some books um, about aviation and aviation weather. And I was like, okay, great. So I started and I realized, man, like this is a lot of info you have to learn and being able to like maneuver an airplane and like fly it. It was just like a challenge and it was really inspiring. And so then I was like, okay, I found something that gave me like a challenge again. And that's why I decided to pursue aviation specifically and become a pilot. I, I've been in a small airplane. I told you uh, earlier that I have a friend. Shout out to Ruben. I believe he's he's in one of the major airlines. I'm not sure what it was. I think it's either American or Delta. He's pursuing this like dream. And I, I see where you are right now. And I saw him a few years ago where he was just like, I'm doing this thing. It's very, very inspiring to hear a woman you know, deciding to do that because I work in a male dominated industry and, you know, that can be intimidating sometimes. So, yes, it can. yeah. How do you feel about that? Now I've realized there are a lot of women that are, you know, um, in it, but for the most part, majority is men, especially right now, if in the flight deck of major airlines like, you know, Delta, American, United, you have, yeah, 92%. 93% are males, you know, it just, it kind of, when I first started my job as a flight attendant for Delta, I would see um, a female pilot and I, she was like a unicorn, you know, it was like something you didn't see often. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful sight, you know, it was like, and they would inspire me. I'd love the way, you know, how they would wear their uniform and like, you know, with the hat. And I just thought, like, I just thought to myself, like, man, that is so powerful. Like, like, you know, congrats to you, girl, like you're doing it. And I never thought that I would pursue that because I saw it like such a huge mountain to climb. I, I didn't think I had that in me. But, you know, now I'm, you know, I'm slowly and surely trucking along. That's yes, that's the goal eventually to become a first officer for a regional move over and become a captain and then hopefully make it to one of the main line. I actually would like to fly for cargo airplanes also like for FedEx or for UPS. That would be something fun too. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I forgot that there are like cargo airlines. Oh my Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's so funny. So you want to be a unicorn, basically. You want to be this like yeah, badass woman walking around. <laughs> and everyone's like, she knew the terminal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be you I see it and I'm saying it out loud it's gonna happen I know it will what are the challenges to becoming a pilot what are the challenges that you've had a lot of people that are that get into aviation they have family in aviation you know they have either like a dad that was a pilot and it was easy for them to connect with other pilots or like a community so someone that like me I don't have anyone any family in aviation. So in the beginning, it was um, difficult to find that like community, that support system that was gonna basically like, you know, follow up with you. Like, how are you doing with, you know, your studies and how are you doing with your flying and talk you through some of the concepts because they're hard to understand, you know, if you don't have any knowledge or understanding of, of like airspace or um, federal air regulations. I think one of the challenges was to find a community. 
So in the beginning, I didn't have one. And then um, after talking to a few guys at my school, a lot of them are males. And they were like, hey, you know, uh, there is a group for females. And it's called the 99s. You should check it out. You know, it's a lot of female pilots. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll check it out. So I went to a meeting. I loved it. Uh, it was uh, women pilots, all different ages and all different backgrounds. Some women that just fly airplanes for fun and have just an airplane that they fly leisurely to Catalina to have lunch or Santa Barbara or Santianez to pick up wine. And then you have other female pilots that are one, uh, she is a captain on a 777, a Boeing 777. So she is, you know, yeah, amazing. And then you have other pilots that are just starting out, you know, like me that just have their private and so all different types of pilots, different females that like we all kind of have a different background. Some have the hours to go to an airline, but they work for AOPA, which is, um, I think it's called Aircraft Owners Pilots Association. They come together to like pass certain laws like regarding like the FAA rules for like general aviation. So yeah, there's just different walks of life. And um, I got involved with them, the 99s. And since then, it's been a lot easier because you have like a group of women that you're able to connect with and kind of hold you accountable. They help you set goals and, um, you know, you're able to bounce ideas and, you know, topics that might be difficult to understand. So without them, I feel like definitely is difficult. It could be isolating, especially, um, you know, pursuing aviation. It's not like you're like a typical you know, school where you go Monday through Friday, it's all at your own pace. And um, yeah, sometimes you have to connect with other people to make sure you're growing and you're accelerating, you know, forward and not just staying at the same place. So yeah, it sounds like it takes a lot of discipline. No, it's gr that's great. Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that. Because a I know you explained it a little bit, the 99. So are they just a group of women who are just these yeah, so the 99s, um, yeah, started, um, started, I think, back in, like, 1920, and it was um, one of the, like, some of the first women aviators, yeah, they wanted to create a group of uh, where women can connect because there were so few women in aviation, so uh, they created this uh, nonprofit organization where they basically help and women pursue their dreams in aviation and also they um yeah create support systems they have um different chapters throughout the whole u.s different states every state has like a like a section so i'm a part of the southwest section of california specifically long beach chapter there's tons throughout the whole u.s uh from california all the way to new york down to florida up to seattle i mean there are tons and so any women aviators out there that, you know, are looking to, you know, join a group, uh, I highly recommend joining the 99s and finding your local chapter. It's worth it. I even yeah. like the name, like I'm part of the 99s. Like it sounds cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never knew, you know, I only know aviation from a male perspective. So it's really, really refreshing to hear your journey. That is so awesome. Okay, so my next question, how many countries have you been to? Do you know? Yeah, I've been to, I think it's 51. 51 countries. 
51 or I'm between, I want to say I'm between 49 and 52. Yeah. Out of those 51 or 52 locations, what's your favorite location you've ever traveled to and why? India, hands down India. Yeah, I did a yoga teacher's training course in Rishikesh, the northern part of India, close to Nepal, near the Himalayas. And it was a two-month course um, on Hatha yoga. It was so, uh, it was like a spiritual, you know, awakening being there and just being able to do yoga twice a day and stay in and they feed you three meals, three vegetarian meals every day. I fell in love with their culture. You know, it was so foreign to me the way they live. They kind of some areas since it was so far north, they're like on a caste system. It was interesting for me to find out that it was only a certain caste could own cows because cows were actually their sacred animals to them. And it was just interesting to me that not anyone can own a cow. You had to be on a certain caste to be able to own a cow and the way they think and the way they, you know, the food. And I just fell in love with their culture. Hands down was one of the most eye-opening cultures that I've ever experienced. Yeah, I had a similar experience when I went to Nepal because I, I went up to the Himalayas there and and yeah, <laughs> you land and you're you you land, you get off the plane, you're like, what is going on? <laughs> like it's such a, yeah, you're just like it's a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother whole world. new world. It's a whole new, literally <laughs> like the song. Like you're just like exactly like yes it really is like i come from the philippines uh and Mm -hmm. i was born there but nepal is on another it's another kind of third world country you know like i come from a third world country that's a different kind it's just such an interesting thing and that's what i love about travel because you really this is you're living your life and there are other people that are living their lives simultaneously and completely different yeah you know yeah so Yes, that's a good way to yes, but yes, exactly. It's pretty cool. Sometimes I kind of sit here and I go, "Oh my gosh, in Peru right now, they're climbing Machu Picchu and they're going around in those little villages, you know, and gathering coffee beans." Like it's just weird to think that that's happening simultaneously to the world that we live in. What are some tips and tricks for traveling to India since that's your favorite destination? India is a very interesting country. My tip would be, you know, it depends. Like there's some people that really, you know, want to experience India, you know, for everything it is, you know, having cows and goats on the side of the road with cars and everyone honking and bikes. I mean, it's just, it's very crazy. But if, you know, you kind of want some piece, I definitely recommend um, hiring like a, like getting a driver. That's what we did. I was in the northern part of India for two months. I and I stood there. But then last month, we actually hired a driver and he drove us around. And between the three of us, I think it was around like $300 a person for a month though, wow. for one month of having a driver. And every day he would take us somewhere. And um, it was worth, yeah, like the $1,000 that we spent for the month. And it was it was such a great experience. Um, so yeah, that would be my number one tip. If you get there, if you can, you know, find um, a driver, someone trustworthy um, that you that will take you around. I mean, it is it is worth it because it it is very hectic to navigate there, and um, some of the trains 
the systems, the way things work is not comparable to the U.S. at all. It's um, on island time, but times 10, you know, <laughs> you never know if the train's going to leave on time, if the baby's going to leave, if, you know, you're going to have a seat, you know. Yeah. Another tip, if you're staying in the north, uh, ladies, you know, be conservative. So, you know, even show, you know, showing your shoulders is, you know, technically considered, you know, like a little bit of um, provocative. Yeah. Or showing anything um, above the knees. And I know that, you know, in American culture, we, you know, tend to be a little bit more open, but in their culture, they kind of see it uh, different and they don't have no chill on <laughs> staring at you. They will stare at you and you could stare at them back and they'll look at you like, yeah, I'm looking at you. Yeah. And they won't stop looking at you. Yeah. So it's really, um, you know, here in the U S it's kind of like a guy's looking at you, you give them like a little dirty look and they kind of like, oops, sorry. They act like they're not looking at you. Nope. Not the case in India. They will continue to stare. So unless you don't mind the stairs, ladies, you know, show those shoulders and legs. But it, I personally, I didn't like it. So definitely cover up. <laughs> There's been a few places like that for me. Like Morocco was like that, where I just wanted to cover the hell up. Like I was like, give me all of the shawls. I've totally, totally felt that. <laughs> if you're going to go to India, try to uh, take at least just a little bit of money, like cash out a little bit. Cause a lot of places out there, they really don't have card readers. Um, so you might want some cash on hand. The other thing is have like a game plan down Rome to Rio.com. That's another good place to go. And um, basically I'll tell you like trains or buses or, anything else that you'll need to get from, let's say if you're landing in Delhi and wanting to go to Agra and see the Taj Mahal, and then maybe wanting to do like a camel safari in Jaisalmer and how to get there. And um, so definitely do some research because a lot of places out there too don't have good uh, Wi-Fi places. You know, the most research you can do prior to going to a country like India, definitely get that done. That's really helpful. That's really helpful because I my my ass would have gone out, out there and been like, uh, "Where's the Wi-Fi? Oh no, I'm stuck here. Don't know where to go." <laughs> what is your most interesting travel story? So um, yeah, I went to I went with my best friend um, to Honduras, and off the coast in the Gulf of Mexico, there are some islands, and uh, one of them is called Utila. And um, so you had to take a boat from Honduras to the island and uh, we got there and, you know, got to our Airbnb. Everything was great. And we found out they were having this like full moon party on a little island off of, you know, the island that we were on. So we were like, great, you know, this is great. You know, let's buy a ticket. Let's go check it out. So, of course, you know. We got ready, you know, we pre-gamed and, you know, we're on this boat and, you know, we're going over, you know, to the island um, and we get to the island and it was pretty cool. You know, we, it was like, a, it was, it was fun, but then, you know, reality hit and we were like, wait, we're going to have to sleep here tonight unless we go back in the middle of the night back on a boat. Right. So we were like, oh man. And towards the end, we started to notice like everyone brought like tents and we came very unprepared. We didn't 
you know, we only brought like my back, like my bag, you know, with like my camera, my phone and money, you know, dang, well, we really don't want to sleep on this, on this small island. And the island was as big as like a football field. Literally, you can walk like within five to 10 minutes, the whole island. It was so small. And so, um, and there were like tons of vendors for like drinks and food, but it was towards the end of the night. So, you know, they started to close down and, um, the last bigger boats had taken off, had went back to the mainland. Right. And so there was like one little boat left and, um, it was kind of one of those, just like a little motor that you just like put into the water and you kind of like crank it. You know, my friend was like, I really want to go back. And I was like, Audrey, her name was Audrey. So I was like, Audrey, we should really stay. And she was like, no, 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 I really want to go back. You know, it's fine. And I was like, you know, fine. You know, we're, we're, a t- you can't leave, you know, like your friend behind, you know, we can't split. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going back with you. So we get in the boat and, you know, um, the boat driver, he puts his little, like the little engine into the water and it's like pulling. And finally it's like, we get going, right. There were these big waves and, um, as we were going, um, the boat kind of kept hitting the waves and the water kept coming in into the boat. And uh, I was kind of getting nervous. There was like a couple next to me. There were like these two Marines. And pretty soon I hear the Marines say, hey, mate, I think they were, they were like, hey, mate, you know, there's a lot of water coming in this boat. Uh, do you have any bottles? We're going to have to bail out this boat. And so um, I was like, and I was noticing too, like my feet were kind of in water, right? So then we had to stop the boat and kind of start bailing out some of the water that was coming into the boat. Mind you, this island wasn't really in close proximity to the main island. And it's in the middle of the night. It's pitch dark. There's waves. You know, like I am thinking like, man, like, and I have been drinking. I'm like, I'm, I'm dying. You know, like if this boat, you know, goes capsized, goes over, like this is it. Like, you know, these waves are too big. There's no life vests on the boat you know like it's a third world country you know you're just kind of like sitting in the boat and there was about like eight of us um on the boat so you know i think it was like max capacity anyways we keep going and uh same thing you know they keep bailing out water finally you know one of the guys is like hey you know we need to move around people this is not working so some of the light people you're gonna have to come here so we all kind of rearrange where we're sitting we made it to back to the land, but it was like, it was such a headache. You know, like it was, it was like a life or death situation where I thought literally I was going to die, you know, if this boat went over. The, the boat ride that took basically like 20 minutes to get to the, up to the island, that small island, took about an hour and a half to get us back. And the whole time debating on, all right, like, what are we going to do? Like, do, should we wait it out? You know, you don't have no south service. And, you know, we're just like a little boat out in the middle of the ocean. And yeah, so that's my crazy story. I probably will never do that again in one of those little like boats. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy experience. But, it, you know, it was it's one of those things where you're traveling in a little country where some, you know, a lot of things are not like, you know, the best decisions, but they, you know, they, you know, like zip lining or, you know, some of those like things that you do in these third book. Yeah. It's just sometimes not the best. (laughs) (laughs) What did your friend Audrey say? afterwards? 
yeah, she was like, you know what, Sola, you're right, and um, I'll I'll believe or we'll go with your decision the next time. And I was like, yeah, thank you. You know, we should have definitely stayed on the island and just, you know, like, I don't know, just kind of figured it out, you know, or not sleep, you know, just wait until the morning to head back. But it was a crazy ride on the way back. One that I'll never forget and I'll never do again. It's terrifying. I would have been, first of all, I would have started throwing up. seasickness yeah there was a couple next to me and you know the the girl was crying um you know a lot of people were shaking you know like when we had to move people around it was a lot of people were drunk so there were people throwing up person that was like you know driving the boat was completely calm the whole time he was just looking at us like we were crazy (laughs) He didn't even care, like, that the boat was filling up with water. He did not care. He was, you know. He's like, this is a regular Tuesday. What are you guys? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. With all of your travels, where are you planning on going to next and why? The place that I would love to travel next is um, Dubai or Abu Dhabi. It's basically like a Vegas in the desert, from what I hear. But, um... I would love to see how the people deal with like, or culturally how it's accepted to kind of live like a, like an American lifestyle. Like, you know, as far as like being women being uncovered inside of buildings, inside of clubs. And then from what I hear outside, like in the streets, you know, everyone's really covered up. They have the full like burqa on. Um, So it'd be interesting to see how those two worlds kind of meet from what i hear the main parts of the like of the city of dubai they have so many tourists it's okay to dress as you want like a westernized take on things but then outside of dubai it's still very conservative their religion is muslim so you have a lot of women in you know burqas and in the hijab how that whole dynamic works and also too some fun that i would like to do is i'd love to sandboard I heard that you can go out into the desert and you know get like a snowboard but basically like on out in these like huge you know kind of mountain sand like um I think that would be really fun so Dubai and Abu Dhabi and check out you know the man-made islands that are like in the shape of a palm tree that would be cool too yeah, I didn't realize, like, I know a little bit about it because I've seen, obviously, lots of photos, but I didn't know that it was that mix that inside. I, I just thought it was just conservative. My next question is, what is the one interesting item that you take with you when you travel? I've realized that I always have to, like, take a hat. Honestly, it might, it might be something weird, you know, but like a hat and eye mask because I love to sleep in complete darkness and sometimes when you're moving around you never know the room that you're going to get if there's a lot of natural sunlight so i always have to have like a um like eye shades to sleep and a hat because i hate the sun on my face like during the day so yeah i yeah i don't know i i love wearing a hat like i i always put sunscreen that's another thing on my face all the time so a hat probably hat and sunglasses is like my you know I don't know I feel like the sun just kills you and when it's just on your head and on your face and 
I don't know. I feel like you're you want to go to the desert. That's your next destination. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to take my hat and my sunglasses for that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if you have a bad hair day, just throw on the hat. It works. <laughs> so next question. What is the one piece of advice you can give to a younger you, a younger Soila? Give yourself patience, you know. I would say patience and really enjoy the moment. Um, enjoy being the age that you are, traveling wherever you are. Um, you know, just kind of enjoy the moment. I guess that would be my advice to my younger self. How about you, actually? I'm curious. This is this is a good question, but I'm curious to know what, what kind of advice would you give your younger self? My advice that I would give to my younger self. Ooh, I get to, I get to answer a question. <laughs> um, probably to just that you're you're tougher than you you think you are you're tougher than you think you are so yeah. any trials or tribulations may seem like a mountain but uh you can do it <laughs> okay so my last question where can we find you where can where can we find soila in her journey yeah so you guys can find me on facebook it's um uh just facebook.com forward slash Soyla Flor. So it's S-O-Y-L-A-F-L-O-R. And same handle for Instagram. And I also upload a lot of my flight training videos from my aviation on TikTok. And um, on TikTok, I have some funny, um, some of my training videos, kind of embarrassing because you know, when you're first learning, you do mistakes and that's the way you learn. But, um, yeah, I have, I have a few of those videos on there and it's just, um, on the TikTok as Soila.floor. So yeah, you guys can find me there. <laughs> well, don't forget to check her out. Thank you so much, Soila, for joining me on the Roaming the Earth podcast, stories and adventures of people who are jet setters, nomads, and explorers. This is Drea Castro signing off. Join us again next time. Stay wild. If you're interested in hearing more stories from around the globe, don't forget to subscribe, share it to your friends, and follow me on Instagram on I'm Roaming the Earth.